You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Big Drive Energy, sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got a packed episode today. The Solheim Cup is this week. We're going to touch on that. We've got an awesome finish on the PGA Tour last week, big-time playoff, and we are going to do a game called Name That Golfer. Let's get it rolling. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Big Drive Energy brought to you by America's top-rated sportsbook app and an official partner of the NFL, DraftKings Sportsbook, the one and only. Uh, I am your host, Spencer Smith, at Big Drive Spence, here with my co-host, brother, friend, and golfing partner, Big Drive Mitch. Mitchell, what is up? How is your week? Uh, you had to drive to a high school tournament this week. What's, what's going on in your life right now? Um, just another week, nothing too exciting. I did take the kids to a high school event. They are not playing as well as they maybe could have. They had a rough week. It was down at, um, if anybody's familiar with it, Antler Creek outside of Colorado Springs. It's, it was actually the longest course, I think in America for some time. It it measures over 8,000 yards from the tips. The kids only played it from 6,400, but still struggled a little bit. It's a tough track, and they're still getting their games in order. We're we're kind of building up to regionals here the next few weeks. So, but other than that, man, just been working my bag off and fucking trying to play some golf and enjoy myself. Go on a bender here and there on the weekends and try to try to balance it out. You know, a little work life balance. Yeah, you gotta love a little work life balance. I know uh, we're playing this Friday, uh, Common Ground for the DNVR Fall Kickoff Classic. Super hyped about that. It's gonna be me, you, RK, and Hank, 
and we're going low. We're going so low that no one's gonna even going to sniff our score. Um, so I'm excited about that. It's always fun to play in a scramble, as we talked about. I'm a lethal scramble player. Uh, when I know that I'm comfortable and I can hit a shot and not really have to worry about where it goes, uh, I can hit it really well. And so I need to just start tricking myself into being more of a lethal single individual ball player but up until then i'll take lethal scramble player on my on my title on my wall of of golf trophies yeah honestly spencer is one of the best scramble players i've ever seen and if you combine our games together him and i could we would be very very tough to be in a scramble setting because my short game my distance control with my irons all that's pretty on point Spencer bombs it off the tee, and he he definitely throws some good iron shots out there too. So overall, our games just combine fairly well to make something that that looks presentable. But individually, I hit it too short, and Spencer's too inconsistent for us to ever really do anything with it. So, uh, but we always enjoy playing in the scrambles, and then we're going to the Buffs game that night. That's going to be electric. Um, I'm going to be hammered. I, we both, everybody, I mean, it's going to be a general shit show. So that should be a good time. Uh, always fun to go up to Folsom. It's gorgeous up there. So stoked that college football's back. I know RK's biting at the bit to get out there and play some golf. I don't know if he might like golf more than we do. <laughs> I, I mean, I love golf, but RK is like diehard, just loves it to its core. He's in that obsessed stage where he's, he's seeing improvements and he's really getting better. And it's so freaking cool to see him do that because he, like, I mean, he tweeted it out, but when we first started at DNVR, he was like a 10 or 11. He's down to like a four and a half or a five somewhere in that area. So that's a pretty big jump, especially for a player of his caliber. Um, when, you, when you're at that 10 to 12 range, it is really tough to get over that hump and actually make that move down into the mid single digits down to that four to five area. So really impressed by that and just, uh, I mean, I'm not going to take all the credit, but I feel like Spencer and I have helped his game a little bit. So we're going to take a little bit of that credit, but really impressed with RK's game. And so he's a lethal scramble player too. He bombs it. Um, Hank's just kind of a, a seven wood everywhere type of guy. He hits his fucking seven wood from 140 yards. So not quite sure what's going on there. We need to get him some irons maybe, or get him a, a mid iron or a long iron. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Spencer, how's your week going, man? What's going on with you? Absolutely working my bag off as well. We had two golf tournaments at Spring Valley. I actually had to make burritos. Yesterday I rolled up about 56 burritos for this golf tournament, so that was a downright treat. I almost cut my finger off. Um, what else? I was sweating up there. I First of all, don't really know how to make breakfast burritos, especially in mass quantity. I had like two pans of eggs going at once. A fucking, I was ripping up some bacon and tossing it in there, fucking green chili, cheese, you know, just the whole bit. And this, uh, this golf tournament we had, they ordered 120 burritos, and I approximately churned out about 56 six and about an hour and a half so it was a it was a real treat but you know they got as many burritos as they as i could possibly make and uh i think they were semi happy about it so you love to see it and uh yeah basically uh we had a homes for the troops tournament here monday as well we're one of the top fundraisers at the valley of fun out here in the entire united states for homes for our troops so We've been top 10, I think, 10, 9 or 10 years in a row, and this is our 11th year doing it. So hopefully uh, get another top 10 finish there. And, uh, you know, it's just a great cause and, and builds homes for guys like TJ, who we had on our podcast. Uh, gets They get to live in 
a home that's built specifically for them with wider doors and all this stuff that helps them move around and allows them to live life as normal as possible when you're a wounded warrior and somebody that's been hurting in the heat of battle. Yeah, if Spencer really didn't explain it very well, but um, Homes for Our Troops is is where uh, it's, a, it's a foundation where they build homes for disabled veterans, usually amputees, people in wheelchairs, things like that. So if Spencer really didn't explain what that was, that's what it is. So we've raised over over 11 years. I, I want to say we've raised over half a million dollars out here, pretty close to it. So I think that's pretty badass helping out our giving back to our, our veteran community is so freaking cool. They're building the, uh, two or three houses out here in Colorado right now for wounded, wounded veterans. So a uh, super cool cause that we had out here on Monday. Uh, we had people flying in from all over the country for it too. So that's always really fun, but all right, well, let's get into it, Spencer. First thing I want to talk about is the PGA Tour finish this last weekend was an instant classic. One of the most fun finishes to a PGA Tour event I've ever watched. I was glued to it. Like, I, I couldn't stop watching it. And I think a lot of America, I mean, I, I would like to see the numbers on what the playoff did, like TV ratings-wise, because I think as they kept going more holes, more people started to tune in. Because... I mean, they, they had this tension, Patrick. So Patrick Cantley and Bryson DeChambeau, if you didn't watch it, they were paired together in the final group. And there was just this underlying tension kind of the whole time because Patrick, if you look at him, he just kind of looks like that smug golf dickhead. And we all know that person. Um, I've probably been accused of being that one time or another. I'm really not. I like to have a good time on the course, but Patrick Cantley looks like he says about 10 words out there the whole time, just kind of a... I wouldn't even say arrogant. He's just pretty, like, to the point. He's pretty blunt. And Bryson DeChambeau is pretty, uh, I wouldn't say, um, how, how would I put it, uh, very outgoing with how, he, how much he talks and how he expresses himself on the course and how he reacts to shots. He's, he shows a lot of emotion on the golf course. And Patrick Cantley is, like, the exact opposite. Like, if you get him to make a, like, smile or frown or make a face, then you're doing pretty well for yourself because the dude just is fairly emotionless. But they went into a six-hole playoff. Um, and it was started with one hole. They, they went – they parred the first – I want to say they parred the first three, birdied both birdied the fourth, parred the fifth, and then Cantley finally made birdie on uh, the last, the sixth playoff hole. So talk about some extra golf. That playoff went about an hour and a half or a little bit longer. So so much fun to watch. And in all honesty, like I, I really wasn't a fan of Patrick Cantley before this week, but I think I'm kind of a fan of him now. And it's maybe because we have. Uh, they say that shared enemies create a friendship, you know, that kind of deal. And I just, everybody knows how I feel about Bryson. So I was, I just wanted him to beat his ass down and he did, he didn't beat him down. I mean, it was a great playoff. They were going shot for shot. It was like a heavyweight battle. They were throwing blow after blow. Um, on the, the par three, I think it was their fourth playoff hole. Bryson hits it to like, or third or fourth playoff hole. Bryson hits it to seven or eight feet with a pitching wedge from like 190 yards. Just something absolutely insane. Uh, and Cantley proceeds to step up and hit it to two feet, like a tap in. And that just goes to show you his mental fortitude. And a lot of times those emotionless guys, they, they don't let themselves get too high or too low. So they're kind of just flatlining. And that, that can be so advantageous in, in situations like that where, I mean, you see Bryson hit it that close. You're like, holy shit, 
you know, I basically have to make birdie here. That's your mindset. But he didn't press too hard. He just got up over it. I think he hit seven or eight iron and stuffed it in there, made birdie, and then they, they kept going until finally Cantley outlasted him, and he putted his ass off. Oh, my God. I think, what was he, strokes gained like three for, for three weeks? Yeah, going into Sunday, he was plus 3.6. So if you're not familiar with what strokes gained is, that basically means he, he has gained 3.4 or 3.6 shots on the field just on the putting green. So say he was minus four and another player was even, he gained all of those strokes basically just putting. So that's absolutely insane. The next closest was Bryson um, at 2.1, but that's a pretty damn big gap, especially with a bunch of PGA Tour players. So he uh, he putted so damn well. He made that 20-footer on the last, which finally sealed it. And uh, Bryson missed like an 8-footer. He was he kept pulling putts. Sorry, I'm just rambling here, Spence. But he just kept pulling putts, pulling putts, missing them left. And I don't know how a guy that technical and that like precise with everything can't pick up on a simple trend like I'm missing it in this direction. How am I not? How how do you how does he not fix that? That was my big thing. Is like what the fuck are you doing, man? You keep missing them left and you keep hitting them there. So uh, overall, it was just an electric factory, instant classic. Even Jim Nance and those guys were saying it's going to go down very quickly as one of the best PGA Tour finishes maybe ever, like in television history. So uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Spencer, what do you think? Well, yeah, I think first of all, uh, I so I do have the ratings for that. According to sportsmediawatch.com, the final round coverage of the PGA Tour BMW Championship, which is the second leg of the FedEx Cup, averaged a 2.3 rating and a 3.72 million viewers on NBC Sunday afternoon and evening, marking the highest rating and viewership for the tournament since 2012. The tournament has topped a 2.0 rating and 3.0 million viewers each year since the PGA Tour adjusted its schedule so the FedEx Cup would avoid NFL season. Not a bad call there. Prior to the move, the final round typically averaged rating in the low 1.0s and fewer than 2 million. And so I think what made it such a classic is is we had a playoff that was almost as electric as this one, not as quite as many made putts and birdies uh, earlier in the year with Kramer Hickok and I believe Harris English, right? And that playoff, when not, not everybody knows the names of the players or has like a beef, whether you have a beef with Bryson or whatever, or the players have a beef with each other. That was more two guys like grinding it out, trying to make the PGA Tour playoffs, etc. But when you have basically the most polarizing figure in the golf world uh, going up against a guy that's, like you said, kind of a stone wall, also kind of a golf nerd, golf dick, whatever you want to call it, it, it tends to just bring viewership and when it goes so long like you said too people decide to watch it like after the first couple holes they're like eh. and then the third hole they're like oh my god still going and then still going and still going and they were making birds like making putts and i think what one thing you touched on which is how i know that i'm not that good of a golfer in the relative frequency of the professional level is like when i play a playoff or i'm playing against someone i'm always like cheering for them to hit it like shit uh, or hit it like in the weeds or hit it to 25 feet on the green and not saying that Bryson or Patrick weren't in their heads doing that because they obviously were it's just human nature but for me it's like those guys they're not worried when somebody hits it closer like I'm gonna hit it closer or I'm gonna hit it there and make it so it, it, a truly electric BMW playoff and that shows in the TV ratings and now it gets Patrick Cantlay to start you know 10 under at the at the uh, tour championship this week at East Lake which is just still 
kind of fucks my mind up. Um, he doesn't even have the best odds to win the tournament, which is wild. Um, but it's it just set up for such an amazing thing, and especially when there's it's so much on the line. It's not just your farmer's insurance open or some dick around tournament in the middle of June that nobody really cares about. Yeah, so that was a, a, a clinic basically that Patrick Cantlay put on on the greens. And it's kind of funny because we get into – if you follow any golf people on Twitter, you get into – you know, you go down the rabbit hole of driving distance and the problem with everybody, uh, the, the problem that everybody has with PG tour guys hitting it so far. I saw a tweet that was like, Patrick Cantlay's putting is bad for golf. Like, like basically people are mocking like Bryson being bad for golf because he hits it too far when in all reality, it's, it's really, that's not what hurts golf by any means. Um, but Patrick just put on a clinic on the putting green and like Spence said, I think the ratings were as high as they were too because Bryson and Bryson's just a polarizing player. You either love him or you hate him. So people are going to tune in for that. They were either rooting for Bryson or against Bryson. But golf really hasn't had one of those guys in a while. Like since almost Tiger, I would say he, I wouldn't say he's as polarizing, but I think he's more dislikable. You know, Tiger really never did anything purposefully to make people dislike him. Um, but. Bryson is just that guy where you you look at him and he's just got a punchable face to me. I just don't don't really like the dude whatsoever. So I was happy to see Cantlay pull it out. Excuse me, but another thing that had happened during the playoff that made it even more electric. Well, not during the playoff. I'm sorry. He was coming down the final stretch before the playoff. Was Bryson uh, Patrick Cantlay was off to the side walking, um, kind of up towards the green while Bryce was hitting his approach shot. And Bryson was like, hey, Patrick, can you stop walking? Like, kind of in a, in a dickish tone, like kind of snippy. And, I mean, that's that's pretty commonplace for guys to start walking up to the green, you know, getting up there. Especially if they didn't hit it very close, they assume they're going to be first one to putt. So they want to get up there, get a, get a few looks at it so they're, they're not taking forever on the putting green. But then Bryson, so after he says that, I guess he steps over a wedge and he, he hits it and he's like, be good. Like he thinks it's super close and he hits it to like 50 feet. And it's like, what a fucking idiot, dude. I don't know. I, I know people like him, but he just does things every week that make me like him less. Uh, and I just wasn't that disappointed to see him lose. But I will give him credit. He hit a lot of really good shots. The fact he hits his drive, like he made par on the um, 18th on that hole where one of the, I think it was the third playoff hole where he hit it in the water off the tee and dropped, took, took a drop, hitting three and knocked it out to like eight feet and knocked down the eight footer for par. So that, that was pretty nails. Like when I saw that drive go in the water, I was like, this shit's over. I was like, ah, this is kind of an anticlimactic finish. And it turns out he makes par. They go three more holes. It's an electric factory. So uh, really a lot of fun to watch uh, this last weekend. And I think it's just going to make the, Eastlake, um, the FedEx Cup championship, that much more electric this week. Just the different storylines with everybody hating everybody else and all that. All the golf drama, you know, that's 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 half of it, man. It's, it's not just the golf. It's who hates who, who does this, who does that, you know. So I think it's going to be a, a blast to watch this next week. Well, and like you were talking about Bryson being such a polarizing figure, they have now outlawed on the PGA Tour saying Brooksy. Uh, at any point, I think so. I think if you say Brooksy, unless you're, direct, 
unless you're directing it at Brooks Kepka, I think, which how, how do they do that if they're paired? You know what I mean? That, that would be such a, I don't think they can ever pair them together again, because if somebody's yelling Brooksy, they're going to think it's about Bryce and they're going to kick him out. So yeah, it's a very, very weird scenario. What is, what do you think of it, Spencer? Do you think it's gone too far or do you think it's fair? I think it's a little bit, uh, in, I'm in the middle with it because I think it's a little ridiculous that you can't call a player a non-derogatory term, if you will. Um, it's not his name. We get that. But I, I think it's gone a little too far in the fact that Bryson probably complained about it. And the PGA Tour is obviously going to take care of their players and the players that get them the ratings and make them the most money. But it just makes me wonder why they don't just pair them together. Talk about ratings being good for tournaments that we've seen before. Imagine if these two are playing together. I guarantee... Like, I will be straight up honest. I wa- I mean, I watch the PGA Tour every week. Some weeks are way more interesting than others, but nothing would get my you-know-what hard like Tiger like Tiger Woods ever. I, I mean, if Tiger Woods, I don't care if he was post-back surgery, f- finishing last in the tournament, I was watching Tiger Woods. And Brooks and Bryson are somewhat this feud that they have and this, this whole thing, whether it's played up or not, who actually knows, but it's actually worth watching to me. And I, I think I would make it a point, you know, when I watch golf tournaments, I kind of tune in for the, for the start and the guys teeing off and see where the leaders are at, especially if I've got some bets out there um, with the DraftKings Sportsbook. And I, but then I watched the end of it too. But if, if they played 18 holes together and were paired in the same group, I think I would be inclined to watch all 18 holes. 100%. That's like must see TV. And that's really the point of what the PGA tour has done this year with getting the incentivized money, the $40 million that they're going to spread out for social media branding for uh, like, not likability necessarily, but just pretty much getting eyes on the PGA tour on social media and through different things. So that's what they're really pushing for is a younger audience um, that is on social media, very active on social media. And so that's what they're getting is a bunch of 20 some year olds. And I'm not saying all of us are bad, you know, there's bad, bad seeds and there's bad apples in the bunch, but there's these guys that that think a, a PJ Tour event and see I'm not like a big get off my lawn like the PJ Tour needs to be traditional and everyone needs to be quiet and all this but there's guys out there that do take it too far and that's unfortunate but calling somebody Brooks he's so innocent like uh, it's not shocking Spencer doesn't take a stance on it because he's ambivalent to pretty much everything but um, I think it's a little too soft for me I just don't. I don't have I don't see where there's a problem with it, but I guess Bryson is one of their most polarizing guys. He brings the ratings and they want to keep him happy. I mean, he's an employee for their business and they want to to keep him happy at work. So I get where they're coming from, but it just comes off as very overprotective. Like he can't handle it. Like how many guys have you heard that get yelled way worse shit at him, you know? And like, I'm not saying I condone this, but they get yelled racist stuff. Like, it, it goes so much further than just calling them your rival's name. You know what I mean? That's, that is just the tip of the iceberg of what people say to those guys out on the golf course and anywhere in sports, you know, and you can't compare it to a different sport because it is golf, but look at basketball. You've got 15,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs, waving their arms around and shit. And they expect and yelling who knows what profanities, you know, we've heard about that before. 
and these guys are expected to make a free throw, but you yell Brooksy to, or you, you say anything around Bryson, he has to step off and, and take a step back and look around. And I mean, it's like, dude, just get a little bit thicker skin. And, and that is the problem is he's feeding right into it because he wants people not to do it so bad that they want to do it even more. If he didn't give a shit, it would go away. Like it would never be even be a thing so that he's really kind of doing it to himself. It's like one of those things where when you're, when you're little and your friends find that thing that embarrasses you or makes you uncomfortable, they're just going to hammer on it, you know, or like if you're scared of the dark or whatever, they're going to turn the lights out on you. Spencer fucking terrorized me my entire childhood. But when they know that you're afraid of that or you don't like that, they're going to do it even more. So it's, it's kind of brought on by himself but at the same time, there is guys that take it too far. Uh, I, overall, I, who gives a shit? Just pair them together. I, I think Bryson is the only one who doesn't want it. Brooks obviously doesn't give a shit. Brooks is as tough as nails. He doesn't really care. And he's kind of the good guy on this whole thing. He's kind of man, man of the people on this whole thing. So I don't really think he's in quite the same position as Bryson is. But like I said, Bryson's kind of made his bed. So now he's got to lay in it. And just just get a tough, a little thicker skin, man. Just you're a grown ass man. Just deal with it. I'm sorry, I I can't handle that shit. Yeah, it, it's it's gotten a little bit too far. Um, he he's really taking it overboard. And speaking of overs, I love me some overs. And DraftKings Sportsbook right now is not only giving you 200 to one odds on any NFL bet now that the NFL season is back. That's why golf is ending. Uh, the playoffs are ending. They don't want to take the NFL spotlight or try to because it's not going to work. The NFL is king. And they're giving you $200 in free bets when you place a dollar or more bet on any NFL football game. And I can start you out with your first bet. And they're giving you a no-brainer bet, which DraftKings does all the time. They give you a bet where basically you cannot lose. And so I took it for the max. I believe the max is $50. Yep, it's $50. I'm looking at my DraftKings Sportsbook account right now. Uh, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus 73 points. Now this would be an all-time bad beat if it doesn't hit. But it's called a no-brainer because it's going to hit. Even if the Buccaneers lose week one, they're not going to lose by 74 or more points. So head over to DraftKings Sportsbook now. Use that promo code DNVR, and you're going to bet $1 on a football game. You actually should bet 50 because you're going to get a free $50 out of it. And then when you do that, you're going to get $200 in free bets that you can start out your whole NFL season with and hopefully roll into the Super Bowl up a couple thousand. You bet on uh, the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. You double it. Boom. You're going to have $2,000 to cash out. And they're, it's super easy to cash out with them. They're uh, you know, obviously in Colorado, they're they're great. They're huge. They're taking over the the betting world. So make sure you go do that right now. And as long as Tampa Bay doesn't lose by more than seventy three points, you're getting a free fifty dollars there, and you're getting two hundred to one odds on any bet in a, any NFL game. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook out now. Use that promo code DNVR, and you're receiving two hundred dollars in free bets when you place a dollar bet. That's it. Two hundred to one odds, one dollar bet. That's all you have to place. So for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum of $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions do apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details, and if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700.
All right, let's finish this putt and head on to the next hole where we're going to talk about the Solheim Cup. And the ladies are going at it in their version of the of the Ryder Cup. If you know what the Ryder Cup is, the Solheim Cup's exactly like that. And Mitchell and I actually got the chance to attend a Solheim Cup out here. God, it was probably... 2013 so a long time ago when we were just little youngins still in uh, Mitchell still in high school I was in college but they held it over at Colorado Golf Club and what a fun event that was um, watching Michelle Wee hit range balls is still a mesmerizing experience and watching her put her back basically parallel to the ground while she puts also a mesmerizing experience for different reasons um, but the the Solheim Cup is being held this year in Ohio, and like I, I don't get why it's at Inverness Club in Toledo. I don't get why. Why does Ohio get so many fucking big events? Like well, I don't get it. Do you know? Like why? They just have so many good classic golf courses, like Donald Ross courses, Arnold Palmer courses, Jack Nicholas courses. I really think Jack Nicholas kind of put Ohio on the map because that's Jack's home state. For anybody who didn't know, he went to Ohio State, and there's so many. I. I think the Midwest just, I don't know why all these golf courses, I really don't know. I to, That's my, my good guess is because of Jack Nicholas. But so many good courses are in Illinois, like Chicago is just full of really good golf. And all these suburbs out in Ohio just have so many pure, great country clubs. And they're, the other thing too is with venue, or with events like this, they need a venue that can host a large audience. So that eliminates a lot of golf courses. And on top of it, you have to have a, a country club whose membership is willing. I mean, I'm sure the golf course has been shut down for probably a month already um, in preparation for the Solheim Cup, if not longer. So you have to have a golf course that's willing. You have to have a somewhat centralized location. There's so many outside factors that go into it because you're like, yeah, I mean, the Inverness Club is great. I think they just hosted the US Am there last year. It's a really, really good track, but it's one of those places where you're like, they could have it here. You know, there's so many different great venues that it kind of leaves you scratching your head a little bit. But real quick, the the one Solheim Cup that Spencer and I attended is the only Solheim Cup the Americans have ever lost on American soil. So out of eight Solheim Cups that the Americans have played at home, the only one they lost is the one we were there for. So maybe we're their bad luck charm. Um, I did get a picture with Lexi Thompson. I looked like a total fucking tool. I had like white Oakleys on and a pink polo. I just looked like such a... A young frat star, um, but I definitely thought I was marrying Lexi Thompson after that week. You know, it, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I've kind of given up on it after eight years. But yeah, the Solheim Cup's an electric event. It's it's not quite as big as the the Ryder Cup. It doesn't get quite the hype, but it's still so much fun to watch. Those ladies are competitive as all get out, and it's it's going to be a fun week. Yeah, so let's meet. Uh, let's talk about the American team a little bit. Uh, a few things that. I, so they have a new captain this year, and they lost the uh, Solheim Cup in 2019 on a 8-footer by Suzanne Pedersen from the United or from Europe. So this year they're, like you said, back on home soil where they're 7-1. Uh, new captain, Pat Hurst, and new assistants, uh, Angela Stanford, who does a lot of the commentating on golf. 
Uh, we got Michelle Wee West and Stacy Lewis. So a lot of good, a lot of good captains there. Good. Hopefully they're picking some good groups. Um, but they got a pretty young team. And one of the things about the Americans this year is they have four of the world's the world's top fifteen golfers uh, in the women's obviously the women's category. And the team Europe has zero. So they've got four of the top fifteen. They also have the world's number one right now in Nelly Corda, who's just rolling. And they're looking to basically take that Solheim Cup back into the Americans' hands, which obviously we want that. We want that in the Ryder Cup coming up later this month. So uh, let's take a look at the team real quick. So we've got Brittany Altimore. She's 30. Um, she's been in the Solheim Cup once, and she's currently ranked 54 in the world, and she's a captain's pick this year. Uh, we have Austin Ernst. She is 27th in the world and has been in one Solheim Cup in 2017. We got Allie Ewing. She got a last-minute call to join the team in 19 when Stacy Lewis, the now captain, withdrew. So uh, Allie Ewing now is appearing in this one as well. So back-to-back ones for her. Mina Haragi. Um, she is, this is her first appearance in a Solheim Cup. So uh, she went to Arizona and played the Cactus Tour and won events by 9, 14, and 16 shots. So pretty, uh, pretty impressive while the, P- the LPGA Tour was on, on a COVID break last year. Got Danielle Kang. She is currently eighth in the world. She's, this is her third straight Solheim Cup appearance. Uh, Megan Kang as well. Um, different Kang, uh, two different Kangs, different spellings, not sisters. Uh, one, Megan Kang's got an H in her last name. She's 23. I've uh, been in the Solheim Cup once, has not won a match yet, so looking to change that for her this year. Uh, Jessica Corda, of course, she made the team in 2017, but did not play because of an injury. So in 2019, paired with her sister Nelly, number one in the world, they won twice and then she won her singles match so she's rolling from the 2019 uh solheim cup and then we've of course got nelly corda number one in the world has never lost in the solheim cup jennifer cupcho colorado born um she's won the she was the 2018 ncaa champion she won the first ever augusta national women's amateur and she spent 34 weeks ranked as the number one amateur in the world since two that before turning pro in 2019 and now she has top uh, nine top 10 finishes but she has not won on the pga tour and then we got yelima no she is 31 in the world right now and this is her first um first solheim cup appearance along with uh we got lizette salas she's been in the solheim cup four times so she's a she's a wily vet out there and then we've got Lexi Thompson, of course, Mitchell's girl. She'll be out there for the, the Solheim Cup, and that's Team USA. So, Mitchell, what are your thoughts? Um, and how do, how do you think the USA compares having four of the top 15 golfers in the world and uh, Europe? You know, match play changes a lot, so maybe talk about that. Yeah, I, I think the European team, similar to the men's European team, they've got just a different setup where – European golf growing up for these girls is so much different than American golf, just like the men. They play so much more match play over there than we ever did over here and still do. Um, golf is it's a different culture over there. So many more people go out with their friends and play match play as opposed to playing stroke play. And so these girls are so re- – like the European tour girls, even though the U.S. is so stacked and I think we will win – the European girls, you're going to hear a lot of names that you've never heard before that beat some pretty big American names this week just because they're so much more built for this and they're they're very team-oriented. Um, the one knock like for these American tours, the LPGA Tour and the PGA Tour, 
it's such an individualized thing. Um, these guys have their own camps of 10, 12 different people. They spend all their time with their camp, quote unquote. I hate that, that my camp bullshit, but these guys over on the PJ tour and the LP and these ladies over on the LPJ tour here, they spend so much time within their own little bubble that I don't think I, it, I actually, I'll take that back. It seems like the LPJ tour has a little bit more camaraderie than the PJ tour, but the Europeans, like many European men and women have commented on it. There's so much more camaraderie amongst friends and, and friends being made on the the European tours, like the LET, the ladies European tour and uh, the men's European tour that they, they build these friendships and they they build this camaraderie that they want to play for each other and they want to win for each other. And so the Europeans do have an edge on Americans there, and that's just how they grew up. They grew up playing this style of golf. Um, having said that, we are on American soil, which is a big advantage. And Nellie Corda, Lexi Thompson, and uh, who else? Je- Jennifer Cupcho, they're anchoring this. I mean, Jessica Corda, you could go on. We've just got so many outstanding players. Like Nelly Corda is far away. She she could end up going down as one of the top ten women's players of all time. Like she's that talented. Her sister's right there too. Um, Lexi Thompson leads uh, the or the I'm sorry, excuse me, the LPJ Tour in ball strike or six total in ball striking. She's first in approach. So she is very, very good um, from the fairway. Nellie's really, really good off the tee. There's so many different uh, areas of these ladies games that are so good that I, I do think we will win, but the Europeans always put up a good fight. There's no die in them. Like they're, they're just, when you grow up and the weather's like 50 degrees and shitty and you still play golf and you make it out on tour, you've just got a different kind of grit and determination. Like all these girls over here on the LPJ tour grew up in Florida hitting balls in 80 degrees and sunny and all these girls over in, in London and Scotland and Ireland are, are grinding it out in 55 degrees and rain. And that just makes you kind of built different, you know? So I, I think they're going to give them a good run. Um, I still think the USA will pull it out, but it's going to be a fun one to watch. And it's always just electric match play is so much fun to watch. We've talked about it many times, but it's just a different setup. You know, you can make a 10 on the hole and, and come right back the next and birdie it and you're back to even. So it's a really, really fun, uh, Really, really fun tournament, I guess you could say, and I am stoked to watch it. I'm going to be – there's so many good things on TV, but the Solheim Cup is going to be right up there with what's on for me. Yeah, Solheim Cup Tour Championship in the same weekend. And real quick, we're going to play a game called uh, Name That Golfer. So we each have picked a player from the Tour Championship. Uh, we've got three of them with some fun facts about their life, and we're going to see if each other can guess – Real quick, we'll give you a little preview of the the Tour Championship this week. So, once again, like we've talked about, there's going to be players starting at a certain amount under par rate based on their current FedEx Cup points. And we've got Patrick Cantlay. He's leading the tournament, leading the tournament on a Thursday before you even tee off. It's a pretty good good way to go. He's at 10 under. We've got Tony Finau at 8, Bryson at 7, John Rahm at 6, our cousin Cam at 5, Justin Thomas, Harris English, Abe Answer, and Sam Burns all at four. And then rounding out, that rounds out the top ten, basically. And then we've got Morikawa, M, Hovland, Ustazen, Dustin, all at three. Rory, Shoffley, Kokrak, Na, Kepka at 
two, and then Corey Connors, Hideki Matsuyama, Stuart Sink, Joaquin Neiman, Scotty Scheffler, Daniel Berger, all at one under, and then Eric Van Ruin, Sergio, Billy Horschel, and Patrick Reed all starting at even par. So it's going to be fun to see if somebody can come from the back of the pack and win this tournament. But all right, let's 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 play a game called Guess That Golfer. Mitchell, I'm going to start. All right, this gentleman is top 10 in the PGA Tour in only one category, which is scrambling. So pretty shocking that he's made it all the way to the Tour Championship. Once again, the top 30 players on the PGA Tour, and he's only top 10 in one category. He has an economics degree from in college. I'm not going to tell you the school because that might give it away, although there's a lot of players from this school. And he only has two top 10s in majors in his entire career. Name that golfer. I think I know who it is. I'm going to toss this out there. Abram Anser. And it is not. Well, should I give you one more guess? You want one more guess? Do you have any other hints for me, or am I just guessing at this point? I'll narrow it down a little bit for you, but it's kind of going to ruin it. He went to Georgia. Harris English? Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Harris English. So he is starting out at, I believe, even par. No, let's double check. Double check my math here. No, he is starting out at four under. He's T6, so he's currently sitting kind of high in the FedEx Cup standings without having ever well performed well in majors. Well, yeah, and that's wild, too, because I know he hits it so long that uh, I, I would figure he would at least be in the top 10 in driving distance or top 20. or I don't know, and I, I, I've got a guy kind of like that on my list, too, that they don't do anything outstandingly well. They just do everything really well. So... Um, all right, Spencer, I'm going to throw one at you here. So he is a uh, top 15 in the five. There, so there's 11 major statistics that the PG we're basically using PGA tours app, the 11 major statistics that they keep track of. So strokes gained, um, distance approach, yada, 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 boring shit. Uh, but this guy is, uh, top 15 on the PJ Tour this year in five of the 11 major statistics. Um, this is probably going to give it away. Well, ish. I don't know. He's born in Norway, and he likes to listen to heavy metal rock music, which is kind of unsuspecting. I'm going to go Victor Hovland. I believe we talked about that before in his heavy heavy metal. One of my favorite players on tour, a little, little Javi. But yeah, isn't that insane? He's top five or top fifteen and five stat. Like he, he's just he's a model of consistency. He's so good across the board. There's really nothing in his game that is glaringly bad. Actually, I t- <laughs> I take that back. His chipping is fucking horrible. Like, it, it, not even all of his chipping, but we've seen him, and I I think he's improved it this year. But in years past, like you you put him like two feet off the green, he's gonna like shank it or chunk it or something. But he hits so many greens, it's really not a concern for him. So I think he's uh he's pretty comfortable with where he's at. He's got a he's he's got an outside chance of making a run this week, but he's so fucking good. He's he's not even twenty four years old yet. He turns twenty four this month. So He's going to have a long career ahead of him. I could see him, I, I don't think this is even a hot take, but I could see him being world number one at some point here in the next five to ten years. I think he'll get there. He's just that good. Ooh, hot throwing out hot takes, spicy takes on the Big Drive Energy podcast. All right, my next player, he was born in Listowel. I'm not telling you where that is because that will give it away. He has an actuarial math degree from Kent State. 
He's currently 157th on strokes gained around the green, so awful chipper as well, just like Victor. And he's 8th in driving accuracy and strokes gained off the tee. This player is... Holy shit, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of who went to Kent State. Um, It's not Jason Kokrak, is it? Eh, wrong. Give me one more try. I'm... I don't want to take forever here, but will you, re- will you reread those for me one more time? Born in Listowell. Born in Listowell. Uh, actuary math degree from Kent State. He's 157th in strokes gained around the green, but 8th in both driving accuracy and strokes gained off the tee. Fuck, dude. That's a tough one. Kent State. Who went to Kent State? Um, I, I don't know. I don't have any good guesses. Corey Connors. Oh, yes, the Canadian. Okay, Cor- I thought he was good around the greens. No, he's very, very good off the tee. That is correct. Okay, Corey Connors, good on you, man. That was a, that was a good one. I don't know why I, I couldn't remember. It, it felt like he was in the top 10, like, every week you looked at it. He was leading the event on, like, a Thursday or a Friday, and then he just shit his pants on the weekend. But I still think he's doing fairly well for himself uh, overall. And to clarify, we both shit our pants on the weekend, but it's not usually in golf. <laughs> We're usually laying on the couch hungover, like, with a Gatorade half tip back and trying not to pour it down our chest. Okay, so my next guy, um, he's only, out of all the uh, major statistics we've been talking about, he's only top 30 in two out of the 11. Um, he graduated college the year I was born, which is 95. And he has almost $42 million in career earnings, so he's done pretty well for himself out on tour. I feel like I'm going to one-guess this again. Stuart Sink. Very well. I, I guess I didn't make this hard enough for you. I didn't think Spencer knew this much about golf. But, yes, that is correct. Stuart Sink, I think, has a son about my age. Um, probably got a lot of kids running around. But, yeah, he's he's done very, very well for himself. He's had a career resurgence this year. He's won twice. I mean, he I don't think what did, he hadn't won in like eight or ten years, something like that. Yeah, well, he's one of only three PGA Tour players to win twice this year. That's, that is insane. So, yeah, he's he's playing some really fucking good golf. But like I said, in all these statistics, like, he's outside the top 100 in driving. <laughs> I mean, there's a few – or no, I'm, in total driving, I want to say. Driving distance, he's actually is one of the ones he's in the top 30 in, which is shocking because I think he's like 51 or 52 years old. Or no, he's not in the 50s yet. I'm sorry. I think he's maybe late 40s or I, – I don't know how old he is. Fuck it. Um, okay, Spencer, let's hear your last one. All right, my last guy is fifth on tour in strokes gained approach. He is 102 in driving distance. His dad was the head of men's tennis for the United States Tennis Association, and he owns a boat named Straight Vibin'. Vibes. Also, if you haven't checked out the DNVR Vibes collection, that's coming out this week. No, it's as a shameless plug, that shit is going to be fire. I, we've seen some of it, and oh, baby. Oh my God! Tennis Association—that's kind of where I'm. I'm taken from that. You said he was good at driving. He's fifth in strokes gained approach, and he is ten, a hundred second driving distance. Okay, driving distance, and this is. Oh my God, dude! You made these hard. I thought I was gonna get all of these. Um. Daniel Berger. 
Ding, ding, ding. That a boy. I thought I was going to shut you out, but uh, you you got it. Yeah. You got it. So, quick cool story about Daniel Berger. Um, every time he wins on tour, he goes and buys himself something badass. So, I know one event he went out and uh, that he won, he went and bought, bought himself like a a blue on black Porsche 911 GT or not 911 um, a GTR GTRS three, uh, which is like a hundred and fifty two hundred thousand dollar car. I bet that boat and yeah, he's a big vibes guy. That's where I I, re, I was like, God, is Daniel Berger in this? But yeah, Florida guy, big. I'm sure his dad's fucking good at tennis. Fun fact for any of you that don't know, Nelly and Jessica Corda's dad. It was a professional tennis player was very very successful and their brother sebastian is younger than i think both of them i think he's like 18 or 19 and he's already on the world stage in tennis so what a fucking athletic family if you're talking about just golf and tennis which is kind of a little bit of an uppity sport but they live in bradenton florida so i think they can afford it um okay spencer my last guy i think this one was gonna stump you all right so he's a South African native. He is zero. He he's in the top thirty and zero out of the eleven major stats that they carry, that the PGA Tour keeps track of. And he is a Golden Gopher. He went to University of Minnesota. Okay, so my first guess. I know the. I know for sure there's one South African in this field, and that's Louis Oosthuizen. But I know he's in the top thirty. I think the only other one is Eric Van Ruyen. So I'm going to guess Eric Van Ruyen. Wow, you are correct. He is he just swept my shit. Um yes, it is Eric Van Ruyen and it's kind of surprising like he hits the ball really long. I think he's just outside the top 30 in driving distance. He's he's up there in a few categories, but he's another one of those dudes that just does everything well enough to succeed. He doesn't necessarily uh kill it in any certain category. He's just very very good at everything and yeah kind of random to go from south africa to minnesota what do you think that first winter looked like for him he's like what the fuck is all this why is it negative 30 degrees fahrenheit and then he's probably like what the fuck is fahrenheit <laughs> i don't know what fahrenheit is so yeah kind of a crazy change there's some crazy story that i don't remember about why he ended up at the university of minnesota i think he met a girl um and she went i think when he was on tour he was thinking about coming over here he met a girl and she went went to minnesota that's where he met his wife that's what it was so he met his wife there so uh yeah kind of a culture shock moving from south africa to minnesota but now he's in the tour championship so he will be down in atlanta this following weekend Love it. You love to see me sweeping your ass. All right, before we get out of here, guys, we got to tell you about our new favorite thing on the golf course, and that is Canna Dips. We always, not even on the golf course, we always have one of these in. Canna Dips are CBD-infused pouches, and they have a lot of great flavors, and they infuse your ass and every other part of your body with CBD, which, infusing my ass, I love it. love it. Giggity. Uh, we love CBD around DNVR in general, as you know, with our longtime partner Strava. But now we have CBD infused pouches. So if you're looking for something to not drink, basically, or you're already drinking alcohol and you want to get away from the Strava and you want to put a pouch in that makes you kind of feel like you're chewing, uh, toss one of those CBD can of dips in there and they're phenomenal and they get you off like if you're trying to wean yourself off the nicotine or trying to wean yourself off cigarettes which you should always be trying to do um can of dips is a great great thing for that they're 
make a great tasting superior alternative to a traditional dip and they use CBD in an enjoyable effective way while being tobacco and nicotine free we sell can of dips at the bar Colfax in New York even more of a reason to pop in and check out the bar you can also grab can of dips at c-a-n-n-a-d-i-p-s-c-b-d.com that's c-a-n-n-a-d-i-p-s-c-b-d.com right now and they're giving away a three thousand dollar cash prize to one lucky winner no purchase necessary. So head over to their website today. Once again, that's C-A-N-N-A-D-I-P-S-C-B-D.com and check out Canadips for a life-changing CBD experience. All right, guys. Well, next week we're going to have a lot to talk about after the Solheim Cup, after the Tour Championship. We're going to be crowning a winner of the playoffs. Playoffs? And it's going to be a blast. So make sure you watch those golf tournaments this weekend. Tweet at us. Follow us at DNVR underscore golf. Follow our TikTok. we got a fire one coming out Friday. Uh, we already got it in the works. So make sure you check us out on there. Follow me on Twitter at Big Drive Spence. Mitchell at Big Drive Mitch. Until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.